0: They should have the tools, and now they have to start using their brain. Like, they they need to know why and not what.
1: Hello, print friends, and welcome to the 81st episode of Pine Copper Lime, the Internet's number one printmaking podcast. I'm your host, Miranda Metcalf. I release weekly podcasts with people in the print world who are doing something a bit beyond the expected. So please subscribe on your podcast listening app of choice. You can also find Pine Copperlime on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and you can find all of this at pinecopperlime.com. We also have a Patreon page where generous and lovely print fans sign up for tiers that start at just a dollar a month. And as of this week, every tier will have access to a new feature in our PCL community. Shop Talk with our editor, Timothy Pauschak. These are brief, short, all-business, quick and dirty tips and tricks with our guests. What kind of paper do you use and why? What's the most important thing to know when you're starting a shop? How do you get your screens washed out so well? This is technical, printmaking nerd content at its finest. Check that out through the link in the show notes. Hey, hey, print friends, we have merch, all kinds of designs to show your PCL love and make print jokes to confuse and intrigue your friends and family. Our newest X-Files-inspired release goes out to everyone graining who wants to believe their stone will eventually be level and scratch-free. Printmaking forever, shun the non-believers. Pine Copper Lime is brought to you by Speedball Art Products, who've been offering a diverse range of high-quality products to your practice since 1997. Products like their new line of professional relief inks. Beginning with their flagship color, Super Graphic Black, developed with the printmaker Bill Thicke, formulated with all the working properties artists demand, these light-fast rinks roll out consistently, transfer beautifully, and easily clean up with soap and water. So if you want to take your practice to the next level, head on over to Speedball's website to see where you can pick up a can of your new favorite color. Link in the show notes, as always. My guests this week are Brandon Gunn and Valpari Remblin from the Tamron Institute of Lithography. Brandon is the director of education, and Valpari is the master printer and workshop manager at the Tamron Institute. Together, they run two sides of Tamron's world-famous lithographer training program. We all had a wonderful conversation about how temperance works, and the seemingly at times mercurial world of litho. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, and prepare to romance the stone with Brandon and Valkyrie. Sorry, we're on episode 81. I can only hold on to that joke for so long. I'm only human. Hi, Valkyrie. Hi, Brandon. How's it going? Hey, we're good.
2: Good, yes.
1: Well thank you both for joining me on I think it's probably just the, the very beginning maybe of a of a little break for you all. I'm not sure how life works at Tamarind these days with, with COVID and, and everything. I know everything's kind of up in the air, but speaking with you two has definitely been on my wish list for quite some time, maybe since the day one of Pine Copper Lime. So I'm really happy that yeah. uh, we both could we all could get together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've been looking wow. forward to it. Yeah,
0: I've been like, where's the interview? Excellent. (laughs) Excellent. Well,
1: Brandon, I know you from, you know, probably six or seven years gone by now, from before you were at Tamarind.
2: I was trying to remember when we met. I remember taking a group of students out to Seattle and just cruising around. We came across your gallery at the Davidson Galleries when you were still there. And I remember Miranda, you were so nice. You let me just like pull open drawers and leaf through domiers and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were so trusting.
1: Well, I could I could <laughs> tell. I could, tell. Really I could tell you were print fam. I was like, he's he's gonna he knows what he's looking at, he'll be good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can yeah, tell. That was that was a great trip. Uh, but yeah, that's been I don't know, maybe even six or seven years now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> since definitely. We first met. definitely. It's been a while. And then Valpuri. I don't know that you and I have ever met in person before.
0: Not that I remember, unless we've met at um, SGCI and it's just been hectic and I don't remember.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that it's, I just, I definitely know of you from the print world. But yeah, I'm excited to actually get to connect a bit in person in real time. And so I I feel like Tamarind as an institution has been a little bit of a, a, a touch point that, you know, through the interviews that I've done, you know, which is probably coming up on, you know, 75 now. It's been quite a few. It comes up over and over again. People mention it in passing. Some people have been trained there. I think I've had a lot of alumni from Tamarind come through Pine Copper Lime doors. So I think people either may know about it already are they may if they're regular listeners being like what is this place (laughs) (laughs) so i'm really keen to have you both get a chance to explain about it a little bit more and talk about it and your involvement in it but before we dive in would you each maybe give yourself a brief introduction and just let people know who you are where you are and what it is that you do
2: do you want to go first or second
0: i can go first Okay, Sounds If good. I could have asked that question, that would have meant that I don't want to go for it. Like, so I, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know we'll me. Take
0: we'll take turns going first. don't think this is going to be the thing. <laughs> I am uh, the, the uh, workshop manager, master printer here at Tamarind Institute. And I am from Rovaniemi, Finland. It's in the northern, it's on the Arctic Circle in Finland. That's where I was born and raised. And. And I've studied printmaking in universities around the world a little bit. And then I, I've i myself been a student at Tamarind Institute. And yeah, I've been at Tamarind for five and a half years now as the at this position. And I
1: love it. Beautiful.
2: <laughs> I'm Brandon Gunn. I am the education director at Tamarind. I've been there... A uh, little bit less than Valpuri. Uh, I've been there. If you've been there five and a half years, I guess I'm at five now, which is a little scary. Mm, that's right. I'm originally from Orem, Utah, and studied printmaking at Brigham Young University. Did my master's degree at Illinois State University, and and then then I ended up at Tamarind as well, which you know for me at the time was a big surprise that I got in. I heard about it from all my professors and. You know knew of Tamron's reputation so when i got into Tamron, i was kind of shocked and pleased you know <laughs> and went through the program um just like Valkyrie. we both did the first and second years and then um i went on to mostly teach in universities after that worked in some shops at universities but most of those were tied to the universities so I I taught up in Montreal and then in Indiana Idaho and New Mexico before coming back to Tamarind and um, taking the education uh, director position there.
0: I should mention my the true alma mater which is Helsinki, Litho, which is where I um uh, first were able to print. I was able to print an edition, and then Helsinki, Litho has two Tamarind trained printers, Matti Hintikka is the master printer, the senior printer there, and uh, then Carle Bari, and now also Roma Auskalnete, um, who is a student of, of Brandon's, also prints there. But uh, Helsinki yeah. Lisa was who sent me to Tamarind, who were like, you should go to Tamarind. Matti was my lecturer at the Academy, the Fine Arts Academy in Helsinki, and he was the one who was like, you should go to Tamarind. And I had no idea what it was, and I didn't even know New Mexico was a state. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no. I'm not along with that but yeah so that's definitely like a and then I went pa- back after Tamarind I went back to Helsinki Litho and I worked there for a good six years as a okay. printer um, before yeah moving here so
1: yeah. yeah and is is Helsinki Litho a like a commercial shop or a, a teaching shop or a university what's its or kind of all of it what's its function
0: It's not a university shop. It is a private shop that was started by Kuti Lavonen artist and Matti Hintikka artist and Tamarind trained printer. And it was started with Matti printing for himself and then printing for Kuti. And then Kalle joined. They didn't take Kalle in before he took Tamarind's class. You know, he had to do the PTP before they you know, took him mm. as, a, as a member of the shop. And then uh, they always did a, their own work, they were all kind of working as artists, but then they also started bringing in some other artists um, in addition to the founding artist Guti and to print them, and then definitely after I joined we started doing a lot more collaborations, really reaching out to get those collaborations in. We also taught, all of us taught at universities simultaneously, uh, but we're not part of the university. Everybody was kind of doing it under their own, um, whatever you call that, when you're like um, not a business together, but everybody had their own business as an mm-hmm. artist and mm-hmm. just collaborated together and just split costs and revenues three ways. Uh, and I think that's the same thing they're doing now with, with Roma. Um,
2: yeah, I was going to say that's still how it's working, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, great! Well, now now I'm very my interest is very peaked on Helsinki Litho, so I'm going to have yep. to I'd have to chase them down for an interview too.
2: Well, it's interesting. Like Tamarind kind of works this way, where we have a heritage in in shops and Helsinki Litho is one that's constantly sending people to Tamarind or people from Tamarind are constantly going there. And ah. Artist Press is another one, like you know, and Keystone like. Shops tend to that have tempered printers tend to send people to us, and we send people back. It's kind of an interesting exchange.
1: Yeah, that. like you've got kind of like sister shops around the world that uh, that are, are growing yeah. alongside you. Yeah, there's a there's a litho shop on the Faroe Islands that I have. I'm so intrigued by. I don't know if you all are aware of it. I think it might just be called Faro Litho and. They have pictures of the shop, and they've got stones there, and I always look at them, I'm like, "Look, if you got stones on the Faro Islands, I can find stones in Bangkok. I just know it, you know yeah. like <laughs> it right. like, must have come over in a steamship or something, but yeah, they're I they're just somewhere yeah, I love all of these shops that maybe even in kind of unexpected places, not that Helsinki's unexpected, but just that that kind of discovery of of that litho family around the world of, of just the like, wait, what are you doing here? Like there's a, there's massive limestones here. What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's kind of fun when you think of like where Cameron has sent people and the litho that's happening around there. And, and Cameron used to have a great history of going out and starting up
3: mm.
2: litho in areas. Like, I think that's partially how litho got introduced into Canada again was, You know, someone going up and doing a workshop and that spreading out from the people who are at that workshop and really engaging, you know, the the area and people going out from that. And it's it's a really interesting, like, I don't know, history to look at.
1: Well, I, I feel like we should. I have so many questions kind of about Tamarind and what it does and like that interesting histories of being spreading, being johnny. Apple litho um, across the world <laughs> sort of spreading uh, spreading lithography around, but just in case people aren't familiar who are listening, could someone just sort of give a bit of the elevator pitch for Tamrend like what what is it? Where is it? and kind of you know why is it this presence in the in the art world that that people you know know of it and aspire to it and you know, all roads kind of lead back to Tamarind in some ways.
2: <laughs> I, I'll take this one, Valparin. You can, you can back me up or chime in and correct me. But um, <laughs> Tamarind really started, and I don't want to go back too far into our history, but one of the reasons it became such a thing was when June Wayne started it, there was a real void for printmaking and especially collaborative lithography in the United States. And so she applied for a grant, and got the funding to revive that in the United States. She was an artist and and her problem was that she felt like she shouldn't have to travel to Europe to collaborate and make lithographs mm. and so she wanted to have that ability in the United States and to foster that in the united states and so that's really what tamarin has been at about in our history is to uh we have or at least had a threefold mission of training new master printers, training artists to work in lithography and reestablishing the market for lithographs in the United States. And, you know, a lot of that has has been done over the years. Mm. Um, We don't necessarily have to reestablish a market for selling lithographs, although that's maybe always a debatable point, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh, like, are prints actually selling? How do they compare to painting? You know, that's always an an issue for sure. But, you know, and one that we're actively in the field of because we're printing and selling prints and that's how we make our funding and, and continue our processes now. But we're still very much engaged in, the training of master printers the engaging artists in lithography that's very much at the core of what we're doing and trying to create that community around lithography that really you know is so essential for our survival throughout the world and i think that's a big part of what we still are striving to do and and one of the reasons that tamron has such a history because we do train people and we send them out into the world. We don't train them. And, and Valkyrie can talk more about the frustrations of this. We don't train them to keep them
3: mm. in the shop. And mm.
2: that is actually, it's kind of problematic. You know, you <laughs> get someone trained perfectly to print <laughs> finally, and then you, well, you send them out to the world. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't get to take advantage of any of that. And so, what, you know, both of the thing that's our biggest strength, the training of these printers and also our biggest weakness is that we send them immediately out to go out and, mm. and take that knowledge and spread it into the world, either as teachers or artists or printers or whatever it may be that they do. But that, I think that's where so much of the history comes back to us is, you know, or at least part of it comes back to us is because we're actively trying to get our printers out into the world and have them succeed. You know, mm-hmm. we're very invested in them succeeding out there. Yeah. That's the story of every printer that comes out of Tamron. Mm-hmm. You know, we send them out exactly what you guys are trying to do in Bangkok to start a shop, to reinvigorate lithography in the area that they're going to mm-hmm. and to get artists just like Cameron did in the early years. You know, that's still needed everywhere mm-hmm. um, and it it used to be that the big shops could kind of hold that like you know the the big lithography workshops that were employing tons of printers but we're not really in that economy anymore it doesn't feel like we're in the economy of smaller shops that cater more to the local than they do to the country or something like that you know there are very few shops like Tamron still
0: it's like it, it, it operates totally differently than any other or most other shops. Obviously lots of people who graduate from Tamarind tend to do things the way that they learned them there, but then depending on where you are, what the history and traditions of that place is, what are the artists like that you're working with, what are the tools and materials that you can get, what is the the humidity of the place that you're working Mm -hmm. in, so you have to you have to also learn the local way. So it's almost like, you know, we, we teach them to fish, you know, <laughs> we don't like, give them the fish. We teach them how to do research, how to trace your mistakes. Like, what did you do? What, what went wrong? Why did it go wrong? What could I do differently? How, do, how would I better this? And having all these people come through our shops um, here, the, the educational side and the professional side, obviously brings more to us as well. So we're constantly adding to our uh, knowledge and our, our pool of tools and traditions from with all these people from around the world who come and share their uh, experience that they've had wherever they printed before. So research and keeping current material and technical wise and art wise it's a very important thing for me that we create good art Mm -hmm. Uh, that's what I want to be proud of that the art is current that it's Mm. true to the artist's work that what they're doing at the moment and they can be proud of it and they can show it with their other other work that's the main thing for me to do their research those are the two main things for me
1: Mm -hmm. when you said that tamarind's a unique shop do you mean like in the the way that you go about lithography and the way that you
0: you train people and then send them out into the world yeah of the things for sure obviously we don't have train you know we train our help as as they work for us so we're simultaneously teaching training um we have a very traditional master apprentice system and we're creating work that is shown with shops that have you know trained help that have worked there for longer periods of times and and we're on a rotating schedule with these people and we're part of a university which you know other shops are as well and mm. they do get the help from there as well but like an example would be like there's a difficult plate to sponge my spongers are going to be students mm-hmm. those are going to be my sponges. so they have to learn on the go <laughs> like there and then and it might take longer <laughs> than it would if I had you know at Helsinki Litho I'd have Matteo Gala help me like they know exactly what to do but here we have to teach Every time. And say I have a nine run lithograph, I might have almost every day, I might have another, a, a different sponger for every run. Right. So I have to clean everything again. And it takes a lot of um, patience and it's a lot of repeating. Same things, obviously, because the students, because they're going to be new things for them. But it's it's kind of like Diana says it well I think when she says that it's kind of like a teaching hospital you know you're you're, you're putting for the people sure. in, yeah. but it's, ah. in the paper. it's not like people you know sick people but um it's not as you know serious but that <laughs> kind of I think that kind of like for people who don't know maybe about traditional arts and crafts or um craft art um uh, master and apprentice sort of setting that kind of helps them understand what these people have to do. They're going to send, they're going to be sent into the fire and they have to try and survive with help, obviously. So
2: Yeah. And, and I think that, yeah, just to build off of that, that's one of the things that makes us different in terms of the education that we provide as well. A lot of art schools, you're not there to be a printer first. You're there to be an artist. That's what a, a lot of schools are training people to do now is to be an artist. And, for us, like we're really training printers. And so in my year, the first year of the shop, they are in the shop for 70 hours a week, 80 hours a week, pretty regularly. And part of that is, you know, me giving them demonstrations, me sitting there and helping them out and just working them to the bone mm-hmm. so that it becomes just memory. And the other part of that is, sending them over to Valkyrie to, you know, work for her, to sponge for her and seeing how, you know, it might actually work sometimes (laughs) because there's a lot of failure on my side of the shop. Um, I I tell them in the first semester, you're going to do 16 to 20 assignments for me and every one of them, you're going to probably fail in some way (laughs) on because I'm always throwing a new curveball at them, you know, whether a different process or the layering of color or the addition size there's always something that's meant to be that learning experience in there
0: the students are going through a very very tightly scheduled very tight and pre-thought very methodical like brandon's really worked the the education side you know again and again and again every year he tried he's trying to make it more just suitable for today and for the students and for this class setup up and It's very hard. (laughs) It's very hard for them. Mm. They do work with me either when they're sponsoring for me or a press assistant or whatever I have them help me with, or when they become an apprentice on the professional side, they're going to have to start thinking outside the box again. Things don't go the way Brandon told them. They don't go in that order. They might not happen that way at all but they need to know they they should have the tools and now they have to start using their brain like they they need to know why and not what
3: Mm. you know right
0: Mm -hmm. that's what we kind of put them back and forth so they don't get into this just train and and just seeing like okay and I'm gonna graduate in in May and then that's it like they have to use what they've learned immediately or even jump ahead like they haven't learned something yet but I'm gonna make them do it and then they're going to come back to it and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I did this on the pro side. Yeah. Um, they're going to understand, and now I get it. And, and just seeing yeah. things from different angles will help you understand the chemistry of everything that all the tools and, and materials that go in lithography and, um, and just kind of the collaboration as well. Even though they don't really work with me in the collaboration that much, they do do that with Brandon. I mean, uh, visiting artists on the student side, but definitely... Um, yeah kind of back and forth it's it's interesting right. how their brain gets all and it's,
2: <laughs> and it's it's really important for their education for us to be able to send them over to the pro side and you know take maybe a back seat in the printing but yeah. really see how how it's different so like Valkyrie said my side is very structured we're doing a new project every week every two weeks and we have deadlines on the pro side they're working with a completely different different set of deadlines
3: you Mm -hmm. know it may
2: be an art fair that we need to ship to that's the deadline but the pacing is so different in a professional shop than it is in a learning shop Mm. right where you might have a deadline but you also have to get it right so that may mean a reprint at some point it may mean that you have to stop and shut down your stone and etch it again to get the edition to print correctly and it's really important for the students to be able to not just theorize about that, not just listen to me saying like, hey, you should shut down your cells and wait a day. And they're mm-hmm. thinking, I don't have a day to wait. Mm-hmm. But to see that same thought process happen on the pro side where Valkyrie's saying, we need to shut down this stone. We don't really have time to do this, but we have to do this mm-hmm. and we're going to make it work.
0: We got a way that's not dry or it's, you know, whatever yeah. it is.
2: Not just about like hitting the deadline, but that it's about printing a good print as well, that that is part of the process. Just as much as the chemistry, just as much as anything else, like printing it well is -hmm. part of what we're doing.
0: That's definitely the most important thing for us is that it's printed well.
1: Yeah, that's such an interesting point, I think, particularly when it comes to lithography, where so much creative energy, so much wailing of gnashing of teeth can just go into the stone just getting the stone to do to roll up like you've envisioned and then i think you know once that happens i can see particularly younger lithographers be taking that breath and being like i did it and then completely <laughs> forgetting that actually there's this whole other end goal which is to make a good addition yeah
2: <laughs> yeah My students have since learned this semester that you may have to etch five or six times to get that stone stable, and that's just what it takes. (laughs) Yeah. It's a really important lesson to learn, and and part of that you learn on the pro side. Part of it you just learn from doing it and having it fail, you know. (laughs)
3: Because
0: a lot of the stuff that I tell them on this side, even from my apprentices, are are the things that I know to think about prior to things happening like right. when the artist is here things right. that we talk about we don't discuss but they're they're done so that we can proceed step by step and we we're always 10 steps ahead of the artist you know we have to know where we're taking this so that we can actually do it and then then it's very theoretical because I tell this my apprentices like okay we're doing this like okay and you have to think of this and this and this and they hear it from me is different than them then going back and doing it themselves and Mm -hmm. and really having that aha moment like hey I should hear probably now think about extra fortifying the edge of my paper because I've got this long print that's got all these um horizontal lines that need to line up or something like this mm-hmm. whatever it is they don't then come to it afterwards but oh should have done that um so th- we're just trying to wake up their brain with um and on yep. my own too. I mean we always have to <laughs> learn. learn through mistakes too it's we're never done with that but uh, I
2: think that's part of the tricks. beauty of it though is that one of the things that I think makes Cameron a really lasting education is we take what they know we, I, we don't discard that. I think that's really important, um, yeah. but we try and refine that. And teachers all over the world right now are probably like nodding their heads or shaking them like, <laughs> oh yeah. you know, I tell the students something and they immediately ignore me and do it anyway, you know, but, and we, we definitely have that, but you know, everybody comes into us with this kind of foundation and that's really fascinating to work with that Mm. foundation and just recalibrate it a little bit so that you understand the things that you already know, how they may work or how they may not work. Right. And I think everyone thinks that there's some magical tamarind way out there. I hear that all the time. Mm. And I, I always grind my teeth (laughs) at the tamarind way because I think Valkyrie and I would agree like half the time, we're making stuff up, you know, mm. not because we're flailing, but because we understand the chemistry and we need to tweak it for a particular artist or a particular project.
0: I mean, and, we uh, come up with every artist anew, I almost feel like we come up with a new tool yeah. and every time someone comes in. Mm.
2: And And that's what really keeps it alive. And that's why having the students coming into the shop is so exciting for us is because they come in with, new ideas all the time. They have yeah. new ways of thinking about it that, you know, it's partially ingrained in their history and the way that they learn litho. And we're just really like helping them tweak that for a correct understanding of the chemistry maybe or the theory of it or the, the ebb and flow of working in a collaboration by making them do it over and over and over and over again.
0: It works both ways. I mean, Imagine the pool of friends. people we have that we can, we can, you know, reach out to when we need something or we're in loss of a material or a tool or something. You know, we have people around the world we can reach out to. Yeah. Or <laughs> we need yeah. help somewhere. It, it works both ways. It really does. We're in touch with our colleagues and our um, past students and apprentices on a weekly basis with Brandon. We're talking. In a, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tamarind Princess. Kind of around the world, we're exchanging problems or news or whatever tips and tricks all the time.
1: Yeah. And and so you've been talking a little bit about like the educational side and the pro sh- side of the shop and, you know, using the, the acronym TMP. For people who are who are listening at home um, and may not know, can you actually speak just a little bit to the the physical structure and the kind of first year and second year and the commercial printing that happens versus the educational printing, just in the kind of nuts and bolts way?
2: So the program really kind of starts on my side of the shop with the the first year of Cameron Institute, and that's where most of our graduates actually come from. We we accept eight people into the PTP program every year. And that really is just a byproduct of the space that we have in the shop. We have four presses and two people per press, so we take eight. Mm. (laughs) And the PTP is really a skill building year, I would say, like skill and knowledge building year. The thing is a lot of people think they have to come into Tamron, like knowing how to print litho and being a good lithographer And I think after two weeks of Tamron, you realize no matter how good you thought you were coming in, there was a whole world of litho that you didn't know Mm. even existed out there. And, And so really, we just reset. We start from the beginning. We start with graining a stone and how to grain a stone and how to etch a stone. We go through the theory of it, the chemistry of it. And then we talk about it on the whiteboard. We take it to the press. We see it in action. Talk about it and what's happening at the press and really look for that deep, deep understanding of the theory and the chemistry of the process, first of all. And so the first semester of the first year is just assignment after assignment that's meant to test skills and build skills. So you start with black and white crayon bands and two washes, and you're just doing grayscale to learn how to etch correctly for a wide range of materials and then how to handle you know a leather roller and black ink and mm. all these different situations how to do additions and deletions and how to stabilize all this so that you can print additions off of it and so that's all just like technical exercises that we start with, you know, they're not exciting. They're kind of (laughs) ugly to look at, Um, especially if you've looked at them for year after year. Um, (laughs) But they really are fast skill builders. And so we do eight assignments like that. And then on the ninth assignment, we start to introduce collaboration. We still stick to black and white. We stick to the traditional materials at this point, but we introduce collaboration. We hand that drawing off to somebody else's hand who doesn't draw like you do. And now you have to deal with, you know, you don't know what number of crayon they use. They may use that crayon differently than you do. I love it when people come in and all they've ever used in their history is a number five crayon. And then on assignment nine, they get an artist who has only ever used a number two crayon. (laughs) they, (laughs) They have to like kind of reset how they look at drawings and materials and learn to read a stone instead of know exactly what happened on it. You know, you have to learn to look at it and see how the artist handled that material and then adjust your etches accordingly. And then, you know, for the rest of the semester, we kind of alternate between doing assignments that you've drawn and collaborating with another artist printer in the room and them doing that for you. But we take them through Less frequently used materials and processes, so reversals, acetate, Manier, Noir, sheen like kind of everything that we can throw at them, so that they have a really wide breadth of knowledge, and, and skill set that they can use when we throw them into real collaborations in the second semester with artists. Because with artists, you never know quite what you're going to have to pull out of your bag and. I I always tell my students, like, I'm teaching this to you, but this is not how you're going to give it to an artist. You're going to have to look for how that artist wants to work and adapt all this to match them. You know, so it may be that you're using touche washes, but I think Valfrey a couple of years ago took a touche wash or gum Arabic. I can't remember Valfrey, stuck it in a plastic acid dropper bottle and twisted on a pen cap to it so that the artist dropped those out onto the plate or stone, right? (laughs) All the fundamentals are there, but you have to kind of reinvent it for the artist. So the first semester is all the skill building, all the technical knowledge and just body memory, like learning how to use your body so that you can keep the pace up, keep the skills up and not get tired, which is tough when you're doing 80, 70 to 80 hours a week Mm. with a big roller, you know, getting that muscle mass built up, the emotional and uh, psychological kind of resilience that you need to stay in this game is also like really important. And, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, it's a misnomer to say that I'm only teaching technique on my side. I think through our whole program, the first year and the second year, we're teaching the technique for sure, the theory for sure, Mm -hmm. but the secondary things that people don't think about is the psychology of it. How do you, get into the mind of an artist to do that collaboration the physical part of it how do you build up those muscles and maintain those Uh, which is a very real question we talk about that throughout the semester like hey maybe you need a back brace while your muscles build up and that's Mm -hmm. not you know that's not a shameful thing maybe you need it permanently and that's fine learning how to use your body so that you can actually maintain this for a lifestyle you know, that you can do this yeah. for the rest of your life and not just when you're a young student that yeah. has energy, you know.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's that's really huge and that's something that I think luckily people are paying more attention to just kind of around the world and across disciplines yeah. of this. It's no longer the attitude is that, oh, you just – use your body until it gives out. That's what being a craftsperson is, you know, and that like that kind of sacrifice is just assumed to be part of it. But instead Mm. it's like, no, let's, let's think about this as a way as like to stay sustainable. Um, And so you can, you can still be doing what you love and doing what you've been trained for at 70 rather than, you know, having the bones in your wrist give out from flipping the roller.
2: Exactly. So yeah, like teaching the students, That teaching them how to run a business is also part of the first year. So they have a business class that goes along with the technical training and an art history class that goes along with the technical training so that they understand kind of this full view of what it takes to run a workshop or to survive in the art world wherever you may end up. I think teachers have to do this all the time as well. Artists have to do this. You have to run your own business. You know, it's not just collaborative print shops that we're training for, even though that is definitely what we're training for, but it it definitely applies beyond that. And I'll just sum up quickly. My second semester is a lot more free form. I invite in graduate students from the art and art history program, um, at the University of New Mexico. And we have a number of students that come into the shop and and work as artists. And they come from all different areas of the university. So I've had architects, ceramicists, photographers, painters, printmakers, you know, whatever area we can get them from. And then recently we introduced uh, bringing in outside professionals back into the PTP program. So mixed in with the graduate students that are coming in and acting as artists for the printers. They also have a few professional artists that pay to come and work in the shop uh, with the students for maybe a little more elevated experience. So, you know, when there's money on the line, it makes it very exciting. totally. So, you know, I always say, hey, they're paying for this. But um, that tends to be somebody that can come in and really dedicate a couple of weeks to being in the shop where the graduate students that come from art and art history are great artists, but they do have jobs and, uh, other studies that they kind of interfere sometimes with them being able to fully engage in the workshop. Mm-hmm. So we have kind of this mix of artists that come into the shop and the students are in charge of controlling those collaborations, uh, under my guidance. I, I help them kind of learn the ropes of that, uh, during that second semester. And, and, and figure out how that would apply to businesses i think that's kind of the first year in a
0: nutshell and you 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 mentioned something that really makes a good bridge to the second year is that when brandon said that we train collaborator printers but also you know you might find yourself being an artist you might find a little educator in yourself so for those who are interested in continuing on tapping onto the maybe I want to be a collaborative printer or I'm not sure or I want to learn more or I want to stay here. Those who have that situation in their life that they can stay for another year, those people who you just want to try it, they can then apply to stay with me for another 12 months because I need someone to work with me. Otherwise, I'm going to be by myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it could be a very sad sight. But uh, so my shop is in the same building. We're just, there's just a, a stone storage that separates our two shops here. Uh, we are We don't have any doors between us. I have three pieces. Yeah,
2: that can they, be musically challenging sometimes.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, I, you know that I'm not shy to say. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it's some sort of really, I mean, it's usually very bad music. It's like, I don't even know if you can call it music. <laughs> it's play. But uh, so then we go through throughout the year, we evaluate the students throughout the first year with Brandon and and, and Diana Gaston, our, our director, um, and our, also our curator, Ben Schoenberg. Like, where is the student going? What are their strengths? You know, we kind of try and ask them and then also like tell them what it looks like that is working for them and and what they should, like, um, work a little bit more on to, you know, reach their goals. And then at the end of the year, they can apply and we go through a very actual application process that they write a letter, you know, of intent to want to stay, we interview them, we look at what's ahead that year, do we need... You know, one person. Do we need two? Do we need three? You know, what's the pool of the students? Like, wh- what are we what are we looking at? Like, do we have like everybody wants to stay? Do we have three that are like wanting to stay? And like, it changes every year a lot. And then whoever ends up staying starts in June with me. And literally, first day of my apprentice now, Elisa Eppinger was uh, with us with an artist, visiting artist, at the same day as the visiting artist came. Alyssa started with me. <laughs> so she had, we had no time together before that. So it's really throwing into the flames and just like sink or swim kind of situation. And and they learn as we go, you know, they learn where my everything is in my shop and how I like to do things. And it's very much always a group effort for us. It's one of the main things they learn on this side is how to work as a team. Because usually there's two apprentices and myself and we work as a team together. What are the strengths of, of that person or what do you need to learn It's like teaching and using your strengths at the same time. So you're like Mm. putting you in a situation where what you need to work on, but also pulling you into a situation that I know that you can really do well and also working together. And it's they have to do everything that I do as well. I mean, I'm always obviously there. It's finally it's my responsibility that things go well. And if they don't, it's it's also my responsibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but they do they are very tired and we work long days also on the, on the, on my side. And, um, again, like just continuing to teach them about how to use their body. Like I always hate it. I call, I call myself like I'm nagging all the time and I hate to say things when someone's, you know, someone has a good flow and I see something that I think that they could do differently. And then Alyssa gave me a good tip. She said, uh, just say pro tip. And I'm like, okay, here's a pro tip. You could do Rather than be like, oh, well, I don't want to say, but I think if we you know if we did this, it would be a little easier, and we could get that work a little better. So it's it's really fine tuning that person's abilities and uh, their strengths, and just using using their strengths and, and really like stretching them pretty thin on the second year. So we on my side, we, we have visiting artists depending on if it's a year of COVID-19 or if it's (laughs) (laughs) anything from, you know, I suppose one, from one to 12 or whatever, how many artists we have over that year. And uh, since we're kind of far away here in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico, in Albuquerque, we try and have the artists come for a longer period of time, two, three, four weeks is wonderful. And then we work with them um, on whatever we decide to work with them on i mean it starts before they get here we i don't want to get it so much into how we do collaboration but people know like it yeah. starts connection starts before but you know when they get here we we really um throw ourselves into it and make it a really fun experience for everybody that's a experience where everybody's thriving everybody's innovating everybody's excited um and, uh, I mean, obviously it changes with every artist that comes in, it's always going to be a little bit of a different experience, but, um, yeah, we're always a hundred percent in. Mm. And I, I try to give my apprentices the energy that I, that I try to bring into a situation and it depends on the artist. Like we have to see the energy level of the artist and, and sort of try and be on that same level and, and respect that. And we create this little team together where we sort of scheme things and, and, uh, You know, it's it's a very, um, we become, we come very close. I come very close with my apprentices because it's really every day uh, on a very personal level. There's no yourself. There's no walls between the presses. It's, I see everything they're doing. I hear everything they're doing. Smell everything they're doing. (laughs) It's like, it's really super hands-on and it's really close knit. And it's, it's exciting. I mean, I I have days when I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't, I hate, it's horrible. (laughs) oh, like, how did I do? How did I survive today? But yeah. then, and this is what I tell my apprentices too, we come to work every day to make lithographs. So don't try and rush a project. There's mm. going to be another project, you know, behind the next door. It's like, we come here to do lithographs every day and we do them to our best ability and as great as we can. So we, we don't rush from project to project. We do we take the time, whatever the time it takes? And so, I'm trying to like just like have them be in that constant, that moment constantly where you come to work, and we make lithographs. And you come to work tomorrow again, and we make lithographs. Like it's not, mm-hmm. oh, I, I can't wait to be done with that project or whatever. It's like there's always another thing around the corner that is going to be have its own problems and different problems and different obstacles. And it's intense. It's intense for sure.
1: Yeah. But I feel like that's, that's just even good life advice, honestly. Like that, that I think so much we're, we're, we're just, we want the end goal. We want, we, we want something to be done so we can, we can have that kind of checked off. And I love that part of that training is like, asking people to breathe and step back yeah. and be present with what nice. they're doing and not for sure not really being like being like this has to get done because then it's done and then I can, you know, get the kudos or it has to be done because yeah. I'm yeah. I'm I'm anxious that it won't come out. So I just want it to be done so I know it's gonna be on the other side. Just be like, look, like there's not there's not a sense of lack. There's plenty of lithography yeah. to go around. Like you don't have
0: to like <laughs> Enjoy enjoy your life. Enjoy your yeah. day. Enjoy your hour. Enjoy your moment. Be present in that moment and that hour. Really we're trying to really be present. And at the end of the day, it's the artist who are we who we're working for. You know, it's we can't make these decisions ourselves. It's we need to make sure that the artist is happy and that's that's the end goal really. Mm-hmm. And then you asked about you mentioned T M P which is Tamarind Master Printer certificate, and that's a historical certificate that has, it's changed the system, you know, the the program has changed throughout these 60 years, but now it is so that um, everybody who graduates from the PTP, which is Brandon's site is called the Professional Printer Training Program, they get Tamarind certificates that they are Tamarind trained printers. Mm. And then mm. the printers who stay for another 12 months are given a Tamarind Master Printer Certificate. And I think that really just shows that you went through 12 months of working in a professional shop, which is very rare. Like You don't usually go from Tamarind and actually work in a professional shop and print the work that's done in that professional shop and work with the artist there. You usually go and you're still an apprentice or you're helping sponging or you're graining stones. So you're really thrown into the fire and you have to really make it work. Uh, even though you're not really ready, you're still learning. So it's just like a certificate that, yeah. that gives them... They can say that, hey, I survived that. There are prints at Tamarind that I've printed that they are showing and selling. There are artists who work at Tamarind that I collaborated with. That's what that certificate shows.
2: I do want to clarify that we have no pretense of that TMP meaning in any way that they are master printers. At this <laughs> That's point. what I didn't want you to know. say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm saying it for you. Button, yeah. Like, because I think that's part of the misconceptions about Tamron that's out yes. there. Um, and Valpari and I have no, no pretense that no. <laughs> our students go out perfectly trained. Like they're, <laughs> they're the tip of the iceberg. And yeah. I think what we're aiming for when they leave Tamron is that they're at the a sustainable point, you know, that they can keep working in the field and become master printers, but becoming a master printer takes years and years and years and you still learn Mm -hmm. the whole time you still reinvent the whole time and you know you have to really earn that title and you know we have no pretense that that is done when they leave tamarind you know we've we've hit the tip of all the icebergs but
0: just the tip and we i also want to point out that we do try and find everybody something to do right when they leave tamarind we don't want anybody to just go mm-hmm. like okay bye see ya take care we try and make sure that we at least know where they're going at uh, the area where they're going so that we can keep our eyes open if we don't have something for them right now but we've got people going out to be educators we got people going out to join a um, a communal shop and work there as an artist or maybe you know take care of the litho site there or open their own shop or go and work or apprentice at a shop of a tamarind printer somewhere in the world. So we do try and find the strengths of these people, point them at the direction that we think that they can start off of and uh, really be there for them even after that. So
1: Yeah, beautiful. Well, before we, we sign off, I did want to ask you both, kind of to, maybe to answer individually, is I think that, you know, tamarind is a place that people really admire and aspire to. And, you know, as you said, you've got all of these these Tamarind-trained printers out in the world who I think are probably, you know, the the best promotion you could possibly have for, for Tamarind yeah. out there, is that they're, they're out there doing good work. But there are, you know, so many people in the world, particularly young students, who are interested in lithography as well. Do you have, like, one golden hot lithography tip th- that each of you have that you could like <laughs> just like as like a freebie here for our good pine copper live listeners that's just like look if i could tell you one thing about litho it's this <laughs> that's
3: a good question Man.
1: you only get one though you only get one
0: yeah <laughs> my experiences would be there yelling the listening to this like this is what you always say and now i can't think of anything <laughs> um okay
2: I'll- I'm going to cheat on mine. I'm going to do, uh, the, mine's going to be a two-part answer. Okay, okay. I'll
1: allow it.
2: <laughs> is, is, okay. Don't be afraid to fail mm. and don't be afraid to ask. I always feel like we do not get enough questions, even from my own students. I don't feel like they ask me enough, you know, and I don't tell them everything because I just can't do that. But mm. they, I also am like, why didn't you ask me mm. when this happened? You know?
0: Well, you know and why? It, because of my tip, which is take your time and use your eyeballs.
2: Yeah, which is the other part, right?
0: <laughs> if you're not it using is, your eyeballs, you don't see what you should be asking about. It's an interesting
2: line of like, when do you give up and ask someone and when do you push through? But yeah.
0: And have fun with it. You, know? yeah. it should, you should have yeah. fun. With it. And, it, and having fun doesn't mean that you're not serious. I'm like dead serious about what I do, like so serious.
2: Oh, it's, but we have a good time in the shop. Because
0: <laughs> it's our life, and we want to enjoy it, you yeah. know? so yeah.
1: I think that's just such, again, like such good life advice. Maybe if yeah. there's a, you know, if, if maybe. If you ever want to come with, like, a really cheesy book, you could write one that's like, what litho taught me about life. But, like, but oh, I do yeah. think it's in we there. Got
2: like, soap opera books, everything.
1: Yeah, oh, my gosh, I bet. Because it's like, it's like, slow down, take your time, and try not to take it so dang seriously.
0: Yeah. It is the most important thing when we're doing it right there. But important things don't need to be sad or... Mm. or you know, they don't need right. to, to make you down. It is important, but and it's hard. But if you love what you're doing, that you can still enjoy it. Mm. And it's hard when you're tired and your arms are hurting and you can't feel your pinkies or whatever. The- <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I'll, I'll add, actually, to this, Miranda, that in the past, like, Tamron's had the Tamron book, and that has yep. been our resource, right? Mm-hmm. But we're developing more and more so we're we're doing some educational videos we're putting them up on our website and on vimeo we're trying to get out there a little bit more and and make this a little bit more accessible to people and i personally love it when people ask me questions i'm really going to regret this if this goes to air but i love it when people email me questions because i turn that around and give it to a student to answer Oh. You know, I, I double check their answers and everything, but I use that as a learning opportunity for them as well to dive in and research those things. So I love it when questions come in.
1: Wow! And and I'm really, good at yeah, have been, yeah. I was <laughs> going to say it was like all of a sudden, you know, like you, you check your phone, it's like three hundred emails, and you, it's <laughs> like it's like I guess that was published that yeah. interview I did yeah. a couple weeks ago.
0: <laughs> and Brandon, you want you have a new um, I- Instagram. Account Tamarind Education as well. If people haven't found that yet, it's quite new. But oh, you can right. kind of like follow the Tamarind Education site as well as the Tamarind Institute main Instagram. I can- um,
2: yeah, and we have a, a new Tamarind Education email as well um, Tamarind Education. At- unm.edu, where you can send questions and ask about the program. Oh all my gosh!
1: Y'all don't even know what's coming your way after this gets published.
2: Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs>
3: no. I, I get litho story.
1: questions to the Pine Copper Lime Instagram, like, 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 buddy, it's a podcast. Yeah. Like,
2: forwarding them to me, so you might as well do
0: We do get these emails, and this girl who's a she was Irish, but she's studying yeah. in. Yeah in Croatia, and she had these horrible experiences in the shop, and uh, nothing worked out, and nothing was done the way that she had learned, and everything was upside down, and everybody was having bad prints, and I mean, everything that she was doing was wrong, and it's like, I'm reading an email, and I'm seeing photos, it's like, I'd have to start from the beginning, and she said, I do have the tamarind book, but you know, maybe the the, the teacher doesn't want to do it that way, and my advice for her was like, you're an Erasmus exchange student. You're in Croatia. They have their own history and traditions. Enjoy those. Find something they are good at. Do something else, don't do lithography. You can go back and do litho then. Have fun, explore. You know, use this to use this situation to find yourself artistically you challenge yourself you went there to challenge yourself Mm. don't do litho then challenge yourself in another area like you you know that's another like one of those situations where it's like this maybe this is not worth your erasmus exchange time to try and teach the litho teacher in that croatian university how you do lithography now maybe you know find something they're good at something that interests you did do something else like adventure to different materials and techniques and who knows what you can learn you know yeah. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. that's the answer too. <laughs> so Definitely. don't expect magical answers every time you write. <laughs> yeah. She was happy though. She was really happy with the answers. Like, I'm going to do just that. I'm going to enjoy it. That was so lovely. That's
1: so good. And I do think it's really significant uh, to hear that and to hear, you know, the both of you sort of tell these stories, too, because I think because Tamarind has such a huge reputation that precedes it, I think sometimes my, people might expect that it's like, well, it's the Tamarind way and Litho is king. And, you know, and then, you know, uh. oh, like, <laughs> like having a good experience in life, making art that you're proud of, like, that's the point,
0: you know, <laughs> And Tamarin, one way that Tamarin's a very special shop is that we do try and make everything in planographic methods. You know, we it's, it's very rare that we throw in, like, maybe the project that we had with Mark Dion, um, where we had to um, screen print the, bo- the wooden boxes. You know, there's, like... But everything else we try and use, our shop is our toolbox, and we try and use things that we can make planographically, and that challenges us. Um, and it's sometimes harder you know there might be better ways to do that maybe there's another printmaking technique altogether that might be better for that mark but we try and make everything pornographically because we are an educational institute Um, and that's what we do and we're
2: nerds
0: we like
1: that too I mean let's like let's be honest like we're all nerds here but yeah (laughs) it's
0: like Brandon's nerdier than I am
2: that is also <laughs> true, and I embrace it. Just on the record, Bathory's just in denial. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this might just be the the American in me, but I I think that I think Americans can't compete with Scandi cool. Like like it's just <laughs> like I've got I've got um, family in Norway and Sweden. That's where my family's from, and it's just like ah. Oh, they were always so much cooler than like us clod hoppy Americans, but I'm I'm here for it. It's who I am. We can't compete with Helsinki. <laughs> no. Well, we're not Finns. Are not really
0: Scandies. We're just Finns. That's true.
1: Well, yeah. I think I can't believe like we're already at the recording mark and and passed because um, I just feel like there's so much more to talk about. But I'm really excited to share this i'm really excited to get brandon's inbox just spam to heck oh, okay. with <laughs> you know people who are just sending you blurry photos of filled in stones um <laughs> great i'm gonna pass all that on to my students yeah you tell them they can thank pine copper lime
0: like
2: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> they just love it though it's great yeah definitely. they really
2: that, that's that's Another key with our students is they love everything that they do, no matter how much pain they're
1: in. So. I bet, I bet, like I bet if they if they've if they've taken on this and then they're just like they're ready to eat, sleep, breathe, and cry litho um, for for the time that they're with you for sure. Well, it's been absolutely delightful chatting with you both, and I really sincerely hope that we see each other in person again sometime in this crazy world whether in, in Bangkok yeah. or Albuquerque and I'll put links in the show notes to the, the Tamron Instagrams including the educational Instagram and yeah. the uh, educational email as well I'll put those all in the notes and I just I know this is going to be a great episode for people to, to learn more and, and get excited by so yeah, thank you both again
2: Thank you, Miranda. And hey, if you guys need any like advice or help when you're setting up, feel free to reach out to us. Like Any resources we have, we'll share.
1: Oh, thank so. you. Yeah, well, if, if in the next year, randomly, y'all get a hot tip on some stones in anywhere really in this hemisphere... <laughs> Please think of us, because that'll be, you know, a, probably a big part of our pursuit is is tracking down, tracking down the stones. we've, yeah. we've got some leads, but we'll probably need more. So, yeah, okay. keep us in mind, please. And
2: uh, I'll put you, I'll put you in touch with a couple people.
1: Well, that's our show for this week. Join me again next week when my guest will be Mike Pennecamp. We'll talk about the siren song of printmaking, printmaking and labor, and the strange American landscape you won't want to miss it. This episode, like all episodes, was written and produced by me, Miranda Metcalf, with editing help from Timothy Pauschak and music by Joshua Weber. I'll see you next week.